0: Hey, good morning, Oso Creek! Morning. Yeah, man, can we give the Lord praise this morning, huh? You joining us online, thank you, thank you. Hey, don't forget also, uh, you can give, you can scan the QR code in the bulletin to support this kingdom work with tithes and offerings. Uh, you can give it the joy boxes in the back or go online at osocreek.org to give as well um, that, that supports everything you see, everything that's going on, and to God be the glory. Yes? To God be the glory. Say that with me. To God be the glory. Today is a great day. A little chilly, right? Jack Frost finally has his holiday. Santa Claus 3, if you know that, you know what I mean? That that movie. Uh, This is a holiday weekend and the freeze is coming and we're even decorating our homes, right? Uh, We're putting, you know, we're decorating our plants and our bushes with bags and our pipes. We're decorating them with... Whatever you can find, right? I know we, we bought one of my daughters uh, an, an air mattress and we were putting it together, and it's like this, all this plastic, and I was putting it in, I was throwing it away, and I went, hey, I can use this to, to wrap some pipes with. You know what I mean? So it's like grab anything and everything and wrap those pipes, right? All right. Yeah, today's a good day. I love it. I love it, man. I'm, I'm sure you Dallas fans are really hungry after fasting and praying all weekend long for your team today. So you'll be able to, fat, you'll be able to eat later tonight probably, all right. But uh, hey, today, actually Tuesday on the 9th, Megan and I and my family, two years we've been here, everybody. Hey, we're excited, man. This was like January 9th, two years ago was our, our first service here and uh, officially. And man, God is, it, it's amazing what God has done, isn't it? And it's amazing what God is doing and how he's adding each and every one of you. Each one of you have, have a story. And I remember when, you know, when you've joined or if you were here as a creaker from years on back, and it's just beautiful to see. And, and like I say often, you know, it's like 85, probably to 90% now of this congregation just started coming within the last couple of years, man. That is awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He is good. He's good. He's good. Amen. All right, Uh, I want uh, Ben Soto, if you'll come forward. And where's my man, James K., come on up here, guys. Come on up here. Give these guys a hand. All the way up here. All right, all right. These gentlemen, so if you recall, uh, about a month or so ago, we did nominations for church elder. And these guys have made it through the morass. You know what I mean? No, they... they (laughs) No, they, they... And they have one more hurdle to become elders of Oso Creek Church. This begins a two-week period to where you as congregational members, you can let us as an elder team or or me as pastor, uh, if you know, it's so odd saying this kind of thing. It's very odd. But if you know anything about these guys that we should know, okay, okay. you know, in the shadows or, you know, um, let us know, okay? So that, that it's a two-week period so that, you know, if it's like, well, I remember, it's just a chance as you as a congregation, you know, and also if you want to give affirmation and confirmation and compliments about these, we would love to hear that as an elders group as well, okay? So this is Ben Soto and James Kay and Elaine, is she working? No, she's a- uh, Elaine is working and Tracy is James' wife right there. So uh, we're excited. And so, you know, in two weeks' time, we'll do, we'll do an installation prayer and, and that'll be good. Okay? Sounds awesome, cool. guys. Praise Thank the God. Lord. Thank you. So you have two weeks. Two weeks or forever. Hold your peace. <laughs> That's going to be a joke every year. I know it. That's all right. That's okay. Okay. Let's get to the word of God this morning. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 22 in the Old Testament in your Bible or Bible apps. And we just thank everyone for being here, uh, like Christine said, and you joining us online. And if you are our guest today and you missed the, the, the welcome table um, if you wouldn't mind, there's in the bulletin, in the first leaflet, there's a pastor's note, pastor's corner. At the very bottom of it, there's a, a number. If you could text hello to that number, uh, a form will come up. We just want to have a record of your, your, your attendance, you know what I mean? And, and we promise we don't bite, but um, we're, we're a family here, you know? And, and, and we like to be personal, and we're very relational. Right, church? And, and, and so that, that's very important, and it, nothing's better than when we get together on Sunday mornings in our life groups and our, our Bible studies and different things, and things like the chili cook-off. Please sign up in the lobby. We want to have a lot of chili and a lot of eating, okay? I may make my, my great-great-great-grandma's famous raspberry pudding cornbread. That's a joke. Never mind. I, didn't, I thought I'd get a moan or something, but that's all right. But anyway, we're a family here, okay? So let's get to the Word of God. Um, and, and be in prayer, gang, also for, for Pastor Julier and, and our mission's work down in Ecuador. Uh, matter of fact, let's say, I want to say a prayer for them right now, okay? Uh, Ecuador is in tumult. There's gang uh, drug cartel violence that's going on. Um, our, we had a team that was going to go down there here in in March, but they have postponed that trip because of safety reasons and things like that. And that is never an easy thing to do. But let's just pray for Pastor Julia and that work down there in that country right now if we can. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just lift up our brother and his wife and his son and, and their church. And then the churches in the jungle and the church at, at Tenna. And, and the work that you're doing there, God, that you would just lay your hand upon them. That you would protect them. That you would put a hedge of protection around them. Their transportation, the bridges and, and the roads that they travel on, Lord. And that, God, that the government there... Could, could bring some security back into this country. Lord, we pray that you would just demolish the drug cartels, that, Lord, they would even turn upon themselves like we see armies in the Old Testament that, that, that would turn against each other. And the Lord, you would ruin them, God. You would ruin them, Lord, because they are hurting people. And, and, Lord, we just pray for your protection and your provision in Jesus' name over that country and our missionaries. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get to God's word. Yes? Love God's word. How many of you love God's word? So uh, this side does. I don't know about this side, but that's all right. You, <laughs> it's okay. We're going to pick up with our boy Abraham. Uh, actually, he's not a boy, all right? He's beyond the century mark by the time we read Genesis 20, 22. He's now 100 years plus, plus, okay? Um, and we're going to read and talk about a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. Last week, with the name of God, you know, the revealed name of God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Sufficient One, God revealed His name. Uh, to Abraham because Abraham and Sarah tried to help God out and make his covenantal promise that Abraham would be the father of, of a mighty nation and have so many descendants and the world would be blessed through him. They tried to help God out, if you recall, remember, by having a son through Sarah's servant, Hagar. They thought, well, maybe this is the way the promise is going to happen. And uh, they had Ishmael, okay, But God told Abraham 13 years later that Ishmael is not the promised lad, that Sarah herself will have a boy and the promise that God made to Abraham was going to be fulfilled through Isaac. So Sarah did bear a child and his name was Isaac. Abraham was like 100 years old when he had Isaac. And man, don't you know, you gotta understand, Abraham probably loved this child, Isaac. He's the one that Abraham and Sarah had been waiting for years upon years for. He was the promised child, the child who God would fulfill his covenantal promises that he made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 15. If you're a parent, how many of you love your kids? Oh, boy. If you didn't raise your hand, I mean, hey, okay. oh, I'm just kidding. If you're a grandparent, how many of you love your grandkids? Oh, yeah, everybody, oh, yeah, I raised my hand real quick. Parents are like, oh, baby, come on, get up. And then the, the wife pushes the guy's hand up, right? Yeah, you know. How many of you would do anything for your kids or your grandkids? Yeah, right? We all would. They are your world. And all they may, although they may frustrate you from time to time, right? And then time to time. And then time to time and time to time. You still love your children and your grandchildren. Abraham loved Isaac He cherished Isaac. He bragged about Isaac probably. Abraham was probably the loudest dad even at 100 plus plus years old at Isaac's soccer game. (laughs) When Abraham posted on Facebook and Instagram, it was all Isaac. Pictures of Isaac. Pictures of Isaac everywhere. Okay, I'm being silly. But you, you gotta know what kind of parent Abraham probably was. He was one that really loved his son. He doted on his son. His son was probably everything to him. He's like, probably going around, he's, he's the promised child. He's the promised child. Hey, have, you, have I told you about the story about how God miraculously you know, moved in my wife Sarah's life and, and she had, uh, had a Isaac at a, at a ripe old age? I mean, he probably just talked about it like crazy, okay? And knowing that is what makes chapter 22 a pretty difficult read in the Bible. And the topic that I want to discuss is not one that really gets people excited about a church. Like, you're like, yes, that's what I'm talking about, Greg. No, because the topic smacks against our humanity and it smacks against our pride. Woo. Okay, so let's read Genesis chapter 22. After these things, this is all kinds of stuff in the, the previous chapters. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Look how the Lord really emphasizes how Abraham felt about Isaac. Take your son, your only son. Now, a few chapters earlier, God had Abraham dismiss Ishmael. If you're a student, you know why that happened, okay? Because it was all about Isaac here. But he says, take your son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Right away, you're like, whoa. Dude, did I, did I read that right? That's intense. Verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Three days of traveling. Could you imagine the thoughts racing through Abraham's mind as they're going? And finally, he sees the place where God told him to go and he's like, we're here. It's time. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both of them went together. And Isaac's Isaac, not Isaac's, that's easy to say, it's my last name, but <laughs> and Isaac, you know, that's really eisegesis of reading yourself into the scripture, right? Never mind. Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but but where's the lamb? Dad, I see the fire, a little torch here, you know. I see the wood. But, but where's the lamb, Dad? Where's the lamb? Abraham said in verse 8, get this, key on this verse. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac and his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abram reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Picture it. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know. For now I know that you fear God seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Wow, what a story. Hollywood could, can't even make a movie as good as that. Man, that is intense. There's passion there. I mean, it's just incredible. But but what do we see here in this very familiar true story of the Bible? Abraham faced an incredible Test. He faced an enormous test. Abe, take your son, the son that's the promised, the son that I promised that you would have. Travel for three days up to Mount Moriah and offer him there to me as a sacrifice. Um, wait, hold on, God, Adonai. Whoop, hold on. Let me clear the wax out of my ears because I don't think I heard you right or right. Right? Abraham could have, your guys' ears don't make that sound when you pull the wax out? Mine does, all right. (laughs) Abraham could have said something like that, but he didn't. Scripture shows that he immediately, without hesitation, obeyed God's command. And, 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 And his obedience to God's command in such a way is amazing. Verse three says that they got up early in the morning, most likely the first thing, and they headed off for their journey. No delay, no pity patting around, no procrastinating. Well, maybe if I procrastinate long enough, God will change his mind. No, boom, off they go. Well, Greg, why would God ask Abraham to do such a thing? That sounds horrible. Why not test him another way? Here's why. Because God wanted to test Abraham's heart. He really wanted to test what was inside of Abraham's heart. See, God was going to to start the entire Israelite nation through him. And God wanted to see if Abraham would still trust him and still obey him. Or would he cling to the boy that he wanted for so long? Or would he return the boy back to God? Would Abraham still believe that God would keep his word and keep his promise even though he was to sacrifice his very own son? So the test had to be hard. It had to be the unthinkable. It had to be something that Abraham didn't want to do. Something that inside Abraham probably reeled away from. It's very interesting, gang, that this place where God commanded Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac, this mountain is where much later in Israel's history, King David's son, King Solomon, built the very first temple on. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse one. If you see pictures of the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount, right there, that area is what we're talking about. God said, go sacrifice your son there. Years, centuries later, Solomon would build the first temple right there. And that mount's still standing today. So this place where Isaac was to be sacrificed, with centuries later would be where animals would be sacrificed to God as well. And Abraham went through it without delay. No back talk to God, no debating God, no trying to bargain with God. He just obeyed. See, Abraham was such a man of faith. So much so that he's listed in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, which is considered faith's hall of fame. It's a listing of characters who showed great faith in the Lord. And Abraham was right up there with all of them. And, and Abraham knew that God had promised him Isaac, that God had planned the future around and through Isaac. So he believed, he, he believed that, that even if God had to, somehow he would raise Isaac up from the dead in order to fulfill his promise. You see this in his statement to the servants. As Isaac left them at the bottom of the mountain in verse five, he said, hey, you guys stay with, here with the donkey. I and the boy, I and the boy will go over there and worship and we will come back to you. Abraham knew what he had to do, what God was calling him to do. But yet Abraham had such faith in God, he couldn't reconcile it, but he had trust and faith in the Lord, and he knew that even if God had to raise him from the dead, God was going to be faithful to his promise. God would deliver, that God would provide. And gang, that's exactly what we see happen. And, and on oh, that, that the very point at the very point that knife was raised in the air, as we see in verse ten of our text, probably just a, a millisecond before Abraham began to let the knife fall. You ever done a knife? You just right, right there in that crux of time, right there. Probably, God's like, hold on, stop, Abraham. The test is over. You've passed. You've passed. But we got to know. God wasn't going to let Abraham sacrifice his own child. Child sacrifice was forbidden by God for his people. The pagan nations all around them would do that. And God was like, You're going to be separate and different. And God stopping Abraham further showed this, that God was against that, okay? But it was a test that Abraham passed. But God provided the lamb. God provided. The, the, the ram for them. And that's what we see Abraham proclaim in verse 14 of our text, not a lamb, but the ram. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And right there in verse 14, gangs, where we get the next revealed name of God that I wanna discuss, the Lord will provide. That's, and it's a very popular name. Many of you might, I'm sure have heard of it. It's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, or the Lord will see it, as it's translated as well. The Lord will provide. Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. That's what Abraham said. The ram was caught. So he didn't have to sacrifice his son. So he named it, it said, the Lord will provide. Jehovah is my provider. Jehovah-Jireh. And it became a very popular saying that on the mountain of the Lord... It's going to be provided, okay? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Now, last week I mentioned how when we were talking about El Shaddai, first time I ever heard that song or that, that name for God was with Amy Grant's uh, song by the El Shaddai. You know, and many of you said, "Oh, I remember that," and my parents played it growing up, and I used to sing it all the time. Well, back in the day in the eighties, I love the eighties. Anybody eighties uh, fan with me? Thank you, my people, my tribe. All right. We're so young, okay? Um, but there was, stop laughing. I hear you. There was a worship artist by the name of Don Mullen who recorded this name of God. And, and it went, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You guys are looking at me like, why that? Anybody else ever hear that song? Thank you. His grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. <laughs> it's such a fun song. Jake, we need to sing it next week, okay? <laughs> Jehovah Jireh. My provider, his grace is sufficient for me. And then he goes, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, okay? I, I just thought that I, I, I'd give you another oldie but a goodie, okay? Another blast from the past, all right? That's the first time I ever heard Jehovah Jireh and being God our provider. And in the series, we've been talking about the different names of God. And, and now, and, and for the just next couple of weeks, this series will be coming to a close. And Megan's always like, how are I gonna take this series, you know? Forever. It's eternity. No, it's okay. She's not here. She's sick. Pray for her and Kalia. (laughs) But she's probably watching. So I hear you. It's going to close soon. That's all right. Uh, But um, now we enter into this part of the series, what's referred to as the compound covenant names of God. Compound covenant names of God. So we learned weeks ago with the name Yahweh or or Jehovah that, that, that God was a relational covenant name. Yahweh, Jehovah is a relational covenant name. So now for the next few weeks, we're gonna take that name and then add another name to it that speaks of God's nature and attributes. So it's Jehovah plus an attribute or characteristic. Here it's Jehovah plus Jireh, which is God my provider. It's a compound name, compound covenant name, Okay. And that's what we see God do for Abraham in our text here. He provided the ram to be sacrificed instead of Isaac. And what a great provision, right? I mean, Abraham was probably like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, dude, his heart was like, you know what I mean? He almost had to see Dr. Rafa at the cardiologist's office. To, you know what I mean? Because he's about to have a heart attack. He's like, ah, you know? But he provided, and it was awesome. He provided the ram to sacrifice instead of his son Isaac. And that causes us to think about something here about this story. What was God really after here? This whole story, and again, it's, it's, it can be a difficult read, but what was God really after here? God could have simply just provided the ram in the first place. He could have said, Abraham, if you'll obey me, you and the lad go up to Mount Moriah, I will provide a lamb to sacrifice for you. But that wouldn't really show what God was getting here with Abraham. Abraham. What was this test all about? Gang, the test was all about surrender. What God was after was surrender. Obedience and surrender, okay? Listen to me, guys. Online as well. God is after surrender. Surrender. God knew that he and Abraham... He knew that he had Abraham's full heart the moment Abraham raised that knife. I mean, all up to the journey, he could have backed off. Even going up there, setting everything in order, he could have said, oh, no, no, no. Nope, nope, Isaac is too precious to me. Isaac's my world. Isaac is my life. Isaac is who I treasure. My heart is after Isaac. But God knew the moment that Abraham went, he had his heart. He had his heart. He had his surrender. God knew 100,000% that Abraham then put nothing between him and his Lord. His surrender showed that, that God was the most important person in Abraham's life. That Jehovah God was Abraham's most treasured thing in his life. So as we start 2024 again, we're like a couple weeks in. What about you? Is God the most important thing in your life? Is your whole heart his? Is he your most prized possession? And what about young Isaac here? Now, many commentators believe that Isaac was either like a teenager or a guy in his 20s here, but, but look what he did. He, he was strong enough to carry this big old bundle of wood all the way up a mountain. He probably could have said, you're not binding me, old man. <laughs> could have gave Abraham the judo chop, right? And then ran away, judo chop. That's, that's not what we see. Isaac didn't utter a single word. He went along with the sacrifice willingly. Why? He knew his father loved the Lord. He, he knew what his father answered in chapter, or verse 8 of chapter 22 in our text, that the Lord would provide himself a lamb when he asked that. I see the wood, I see the fire. But, but I don't see the lamby, Okay. I would think that Isaac knew this was all of the Lord and he surrendered as well. Again, this is a lesson for us thousands of years later, just as we are starting the year of our Lord 2024. This is still what God desires. Surrender is still what the Lord is after in our lives. But our flesh cries out, No! <laughs> No, anything but that. Not that word, our pride screams. because so we don't want to surrender. We want to control. We want to drive the ship, right? We want to take the wheel. Abraham knew what God was after and what God wanted. And, and Abraham had already begun living a life of surrender to the Lord. That was his life, surrendering to God. But this was the ultimate test of surrender. And today is no different. God wants the absolute surrender of our hearts, the absolute surrender of our wills, and the absolute surrender of our spirits. Guys, God wants to be the most treasured possession and thing in your life. More than that car, more than that boat, more more than, than any type of material thing, more than your spouse, more than your family, more than those Star Wars or some fantasy collectibles. All right. It's gotta be him. Him and him alone. He doesn't want anything or anyone to come in between you and him. See, God wants a living sacrifice. That's what he desires. A living sacrifice. See this in Psalm 51, verses 16 through 17. The psalmist writes, For you, Lord, will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You'll not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you'll not despise. Paul writes in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Does this describe you? Can you point to yourself and say, I am a living sacrifice for the Lord. Are you surrendered completely to him? His will for you and what he wants for your life. I mean, if you would go back in time and ask Abraham... You know, he, he, he would not have wanted to go through this at all. But it wasn't about what he wanted. It was all about what God wanted. And like I mentioned last night, no matter what happens, no matter how something turns out, even if it doesn't happen the way that you think it should, the attitude of your heart, the attitude of your spirit is, Lord, I've surrendered to you. You know my todays. You know my tomorrows. You hold my life in your hands. I'm following you. I'm trusting you. I can't see how it'll work out, but I know you're my provider and I trust you. You have my heart, Lord. The world doesn't have it. You have my heart, Lord. And Lord, I surrender my time and my talents and my treasures to you. It's all yours. It's all yours. And one of the first messages I ever preached here, I did this illustration. I said, then you'll hear it for the rest of while I'm here. Which is going to be a long, long, long time. Okay, I'm retiring next year. Okay, everybody. So, just kidding. I wish. No, I don't. Cause I love. Never mind. I I did this illustration with closed fist and open fist. And if you're here, you may remember. And I ask, are you open fisted or closed fisted with the Lord? This is being completely surrendered. Open fist. That's what God is after. Open fist that says, I'm open to you, Lord. Because living a life of surrender, gang, is high spiritual maturity. This is a definition of spiritual maturity. As we grow in the Lord, we come to under, the, the understanding and attitude of God. It's all yours. And I am all yours. No matter what. I'm gonna keep worshiping you. I'm gonna keep trusting you. My hands are open to you, Lord, not closed. They're open. I'm trying to hold on to them. I'm, 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 I'm open to you, Lord. I mean, what does it even mean to surrender? Have you ever thought about that? Let's do a group exercise, okay? If you're at La Pamera Mall, well, let's, that's too nice. Let's say the old sunrise broken down thing, okay? And you just happen to be walking around in that broken down parking lot and someone comes behind you and sticks a gun right in your back. What are you gonna do? What are you going to do? Show me. Yeah. The majority of us, right, are going to raise our hands. Unless you're like David Ritkers, who's like a hundred thousandth degree black belt in Taekwondo, all right, who is trained in the martial arts to fend for himself and fight, okay? You would take him out, wouldn't you? No, you would raise your hand too? All right. Well, you just, he just really confirmed my point here. All right. Even the sensei would raise his hands and surrender. All right, yeah. You would raise your hand and surrender. You wouldn't fight back. You wouldn't fight back. You, you, you would say, I'm yours. Hold on, please. Everything I have is yours. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm gonna surrender. Now, praise the Lord. The, God doesn't have a gun on our back, okay? Spiritual 357, all right? Okay. But our heart should say the same thing. Lord, I'm yours. What I have is yours. God, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to try to get my will. Lord, I surrender. And I feel God's presence in saying that, amen? amen. Loving God more than anything, sacrificing everything with, for God with hands raised. So I asked this morning on the second Sunday of the new year, 2024, have you made the absolute surrender of your life to God? not partial surrender, absolute. Abraham stood all, understood all of this. He knew God as Adonai, his Lord and master. He knew God as El Shaddai, God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. And he knew that if he obeyed and followed God and surrendered his all, God would provide and do the miraculous. He would provide and do the miraculous. And gang, that's a huge benefit of Surrender. See, our flesh cries out against that, but our flesh doesn't understand the back end of that. Something we learned from our text today, the provision from the Lord comes after the surrender. The provision comes after the surrender. Just imagine as Abraham and Isaac are are walking up one side of the mountain, there's a ram on the backside that's heading up at the same time They don't see it, but it's on the backside of the mountain heading up there as well. And and God made sure that Abraham didn't see that ram until Abraham showed total obedience and total surrender to the Lord. And at that point of absolute surrender, God was like, hold on, here's the provision. Here's your provision. You see, guys, God already had the provision ready for Abraham. He was just waiting and wanting for his surrender. But then there's believers today who are like a Japanese general who is about to surrender to the famous American general, Douglas MacArthur, uh, in, in one of our world wars. And the meeting was set up for the Japanese general to officially surrender, but the Japanese general stuck out his hand to shake General MacArthur's hand. But MacArthur said, I cannot shake your hand until you first surrender your sword we can't be friends as long as that sword is hanging by your side. Give me the sword, then we'll shake hands. Look, there's a lot of believers and people that want to shake God's hand and get his blessings and favors with one hand. At the same time, they're holding on to the sword of their will. And God's like the same way. No, no, no. You give me that. And we're shaking hands. It's gotta be me and me alone, not me and your will. It's me and me alone, not me and you doing it you. No, absolute surrender to the Lord. God is saying, let go of whatever you're holding on to and surrender it to me. And when you do, he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He'll provide. So what will he provide? What will he provide? And a lot of times I wonder if when people hear the term Jehovah Jireh, my provider, they, they think in terms of you know God give to me. Provide what I want, okay? Going back to that 80s song I referenced, you know, it's like, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. They sing, Jehovah Jireh, give me what I desire, I need and I want from you, Lord. That's the attitude of believers. God's not a genie in a bottle, right? He's not a wish granter. And provision isn't necessarily about material things, even though we're living in a material world. No 80s fans on that reference? Oh my goodness. I didn't, come on. I'm trying to keep the 80s rolling anyway. <laughs> when you surrender to the Lord, God will provide what you need and exactly when you need it. Did you hear that? He'll provide. When you surrender, He'll provide what you need exactly when you need it. Just like we see Abraham. With Abraham, that provision was at the exact right time. You know, when when Megan and I, early in our marriage, and Jake, if you wanna come on up, you guys, yeah. We were serving at 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 a pretty large church and we were not doing well financially, if I could just say that. And Megan and I made the great decision, okay? We knew what God's word said. We know what God asked when it came to finances and to tithe, you know, the first 10% of your income. And trust me, I've heard all the debates. I've heard all the arguments against, no, they don't stand, okay? It's a principle that God set up long ago, even all the way back to the beginning, okay? But we made the great decision while, while starving on a church, we can't afford to tithe. We can't afford to tithe. And we didn't. I'm not I'm not saying that proudly. I mean yeah. Dude, we were it was a horrible time. It just was not good. I can't even go, we don't have time to go into how terrible of a time it was for us financially. Just nothing was working out. It was horrible. We ended up a matter of fact, we had we were the sixth youth pastors in five years at that church. It was in Arizona. And the same thing happened to the previous five. The they got turned on. It was a pretty, uh, I'm trying to be nice here, but a lot of the kids really took one of their way and all the youth workers and staff were parents and they did whatever their kids wanted and they completely turned against us and the pastor said, you know, you, um, I'll have to let you go. You know what I mean? And um, it was a very rough time for us, very rough time. So we moved down to Alamogordo and and... and my father-in-law was like, hey, you guys are stressed. We just had Kyler. She was just like three or four months old. She just went through, stayed in the hospital for like a month with RSV. I can't even, it was just tough. And he's like, we got an apartment upstairs. You guys just stay, chill, find, put out resumes and stuff, but just relax. But me and Megan made the decision. We're like, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to surrender in this area of our finances. And we're going to, no matter what, We're paying. We're tithing. We're going to be obedient to God's word, and we're tithing. Even though it doesn't seem like we can, we're going to do that. So we gave a complete surrender there. And I'll tell you what, gang. I mean, we didn't get rich. Okay, (laughs) we didn't. We didn't become like you know millionaires or nothing like that. You know, like some people will promise on Christian TV or whatnot. No. But what we began to see God do was miraculous we saw a complete shift in our lives. And we saw God really begin to provide in ways that he never, we, he was ready to, you know what I mean? But because of our lack of surrender, it's like, but man, when we finally surrendered, and, and it's been that way ever since, and we could, there's been so many times in our married life of 25 years since then that we're like, dude, I don't see how the bottom line's going to make it, but it always does, and God has always come through, and he's always, even sometimes, very miraculously provided exactly what we needed at just the right time. Amen. And it's about surrender, amen? Hmm. Guys, it's just like what I mentioned last week. He'll provide for us to fulfill his plans and his promises to us. And he provides us with atoning salvation through Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb. He provides us with his word, the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 3 that we have every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. But he also provides us with peace and strength and protection and safety and health and companionship and love and joy and even material things and sometimes financial blessings provides us with loving kindness, all according to His good will and His good purposes in our lives. Philippians two thirteen. Look, He will provide for us in the life we have now, and He's going to provide for us in the life to come. He's already made provisions for that, because see, God provides Himself. God provides himself, gang. That's beautiful. Remember, he is El Shaddai, God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. He is all you and I need. He's the lover of our soul. Jesus is the great shepherd who provides and protects for his sheep. So what do you need? It's all in him. It's all through him. It's all by him. So surrender to him. You will get much farther in your life by surrendering to the Lord than trying to hold on and control things and aspects of your own life. God's provision is perfect. It's perfect. What he does is muy perfecto, all right? How many of you guys have heard the phrase, we serve a a right on time, God? Yes, we do. You might be in a season of holding or waiting. Don't give up. He's going to provide it just the right time. Abraham and Sarah waited and waited and waited and then some. And even when the promise arrived, God said to give it back to him. But God answered at the right time with the right answer. God revealed himself to Abraham. Here is his provider. And you see, God reveals himself in the provision and the meeting of our needs. Maybe you've said, I would like to see God. I would love to see God. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes, listen, God shows up when he provides. Through his provision is how we see God. Second Chronicles sixteen nine says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose hearts is blameless towards him. He shows up, he shows up. How many of you will testify that God revealed himself to you when he provided, huh? When you look back and say, dude, that was all the Lord. He took care of it. He took care of my needs. He protected us at that hour and at that time. God showed up and he revealed himself. It's like, God, I saw you when you met that need. I saw you when you answered those prayers. That was you, God. We can be confident, gang, before we pray that whatever we need, Jehovah Jireh will see to it. He'll see to it. He's big enough, strong enough, and loves us dearly. Jehovah Jireh will see to it. Know that he sees you, he sees your need, he, he sees your surrender, and he will provide. Just like the song we sing, the last song, Jireh. I love the lyrics. Jireh, you are enough. I'll be content in every circumstance forever, always enough, more than enough. Jehovah Jireh is enough. And listen, so my last point. I know the Cowboys play later, some of you got to get your barbecue on, okay? Jehovah Jireh is totally fulfilled in Jesus. In Jesus. I hope you can see Jesus exemplified in Isaac. Both were loved by their father. Both were submissive to their father. Both offered themselves willingly to the father. Both carried wood up the hill of their sacrifice. Both were sacrificed on the same hill. Both were delivered from death on the third day. Did you hear that about being sacrificed on the same hill? Look, this is so amazing. Give me two more minutes. Listen. Mount Moriah, where Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, but where God provided the ram as a sacrifice, like I said, it's the same place where centuries later the temple was built and sacrifices were made to God. And then centuries later on that very same ridge was a place called Golgotha, the place where Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's beautiful. That's amazing. You can't make this up. Here in the story of surrender, Isaac, a type of Christ, willingly offered himself to his father Abraham and on that very same mountain ridge, Jesus Christ showed the ultimate surrender as he was willingly given himself to the father and he gave his life for everyone on the cross. Whew so good, thus providing us with the greatest provision that we would ever need, salvation to eternal life. Salvation to eternal life. Romans 5, 6, and 8, my last scripture. For while we were still weak, at the right time, hear that, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Abraham said on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. That's a future tense. He's was looking forward to something and that something was the perfect lamb, not a ram this time, but the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, to die for us. 2024 is here. How about letting this day be the first day of total absolute surrender to the Lord? And if, that, if if you have been living like that and that is your heart and that is your attitude, make a recommitment to that today on the second Sunday of, of the new year. Everything is yours, Lord. Maybe you've not done that. Maybe you've not turned to Jesus you find yourself here today or you're online. You say, I need Christ. I'm going nowhere on my own. Listen, call upon his name. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. I Repent of my sins. Forgive me and cleanse me. Cleanse me. I want to live for you. I surrender my life to you. Make me a new person. Change my heart. Do you pray a prayer like that? Dude, you're in the family of God. And the Holy Spirit takes residence in you, and He's going to start doing an internal change with you. He'll make you a new creation for the Lord God. Lord, I just pray for every heart that's here this morning. I pray for every heart that's watching online. God, you know our hearts. You know those areas, Lord, where we want to hold on to them. You know those parts of our lives, God, where we want to control. And I pray that today on the second Sunday of the new year, the Lord, we would just have the attitude that Abraham had. And we'll just say, Lord, it's all yours. Even Isaac. Lord, I'm, I willingly give everything to you. Jesus, you surrendered everything for us. Let us be willing to surrender it all for you. Forgive us, cleanse us, make us new, and help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Mm. Look, no one can make you do this. No one can make you have that kind of heart. It's something you willingly, through the help of the Holy Spirit, have to yield to the Lord. But listen to me, we will all stand before the Lord one day. And the Bible says we will give an account of ourselves. Now is the day of salvation, the word says. Now is the time to live in surrender to our King and to our Lord. So that when we stand before him one day, he'll say, well done. Well done good and faithful servant, enter into what I've prepared for you. He's good, amen. He's so good.